0: Hey
2: guys, I want to take a moment to tell you about Buzzsprout. I know that if you're a podcast junkie like I am, you probably have thought about starting your own podcast before. I know that can be a little daunting, but if you have the right help, it's not that hard. And Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. We've been using Buzzsprout since day one and could not recommend it enough. So if you're interested and you have that itch to start a podcast, make sure and follow the link in our show notes. And Buzzsprout will be able to help you and guide you along the way. Now, let's get back to the show. Hey, Chargers fans. Welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. With me, as always, is Jason. Jason, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. not doing too bad. Got some good news today, though.
2: Oh, yeah? Are you going to share that good news, or is that going to be kept private
1: today? It's not kept private. Cam Newton signed with the Patriots.
2: Oh, that good news, yes. (laughs) Yes, we are going to get into all that Cam Newton talk, and then we're also going to discuss the Desmond King. Uh, they're not really rumors, because really this was all started by Phil Yates, who kind of was suggesting the idea of Desmond King being traded, but you know, it is notable that such a high-ranking ESPN writer would put that kind of idea out in the world. So we'll discuss both of those things. I do also want to remind everyone listening that if you haven't, please make sure and leave us a rating or review on whichever podcast platform you are listening to. We do really appreciate all of that feedback. So, let's get into it. Uh, Cam Newton signing with the Patriots. I think the timing of it was surprising. Uh, More than anything, I'm surprised that the contract is purely incentive-based, but I can't say I'm that surprised by Cam signing with the Patriots because they had such a clear need at quarterback, obviously after Tom Brady left for Tampa Bay. Uh, but Jason, your initial thoughts and your reaction to Cam Newton signing with the New England Patriots.
1: So the first two things here that popped up into my mind is you're getting one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league and you're pairing them up with the smartest head coach in the league. And... When you pair those th- two things up together, you get, you know, your Drew Brees with Sean Payton, uh, that that kind of deal where there's not a lot of things that can go wrong unless that quarterback is unavailable for whatever reason, which leads you into your next thing: the did they do their homework and is Cam healthy? Is is that now the thing? Because Belichick doesn't seem like somebody who would go sign a a big-name quarterback like this unless he was assured that that quarterback was healthy. He just doesn't seem to like the attention all that much. So, I don't know. I'm not Bill Belichick. I can't speculate too much on how he feels about quarterbacks or what he's looking for, but to me, it just seems like you're pairing up a successful, consistent franchise that knows how to build their own line and play to their quarterback's strengths and – you're pairing them up with a quarterback that it will take advantage of a good line. Um, those you, does anybody remember the frustrating days where it'd be like fourth and one, and every time I was fourth and one, Cam Newton would convert. That I just I feel that being a thing where Belichick's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna punt it. Yeah, right. I'm not gonna kick a field goal. And right, I'd, I just sense that sort of trend coming back to where you're going to see can can we just see like cam newton get belichick to like do a dance or something like a touchdown (laughs) dance i want to see the the swagger of cam newton clash with the just serious bill belichick
2: it's so funny because you know in talking about this tom brady bill belichick breakup both of them are going towards the polar opposite version of what they had. You know, you could not be more different from Bill Belichick than Bruce Arians is. You know, he, he's this presumed players coach. He's all about having fun and, and creating almost a zen environment down there in Tampa Bay. And then Cam Newton is obviously, I mean, mentally they're very similar, but, you know, Cam and Tom Brady are such different football players. So it is interesting to think about how both Bill and Tom are, Going in opposite directions like that.
1: Yeah. It was like maybe they just hated each other for so long. And they're just like, no, I'm getting the opposite. This is done with this. Who knows? I don't know. It is interesting.
2: So, you know, I put this out on Twitter. I think with Jarrett Stidham, I think the Patriots would have been very competitive. You know, their defense is still fantastic, even without guys like Calvin Noy and Jamie Collins, who are gone. They still have a lot of great players, and they have arguably the best secondary in the league, if not for the Chargers. So their defense it was going to keep them in games, and then obviously the, the coaching genius of Bill Belichick, I could have seen them winning eight or nine games. So how much does Cam Newton elevate this Patriots team to you?
1: Okay, listen. Whether or not the Patriots signed Cam Newton... I'm not convinced that they didn't already have the best quarterback in the AFC East. <laughs> so um, how much does it elevate it? Oh, obviously I'm exaggerating here. I know that Jarrett Stidham is not better than, well, it's debatable. But anyways, um, <laughs> how much does it elevate them? I don't know at the moment. I just don't know. Obviously it it's it's kind of a, a high reward signing, but – it can be just like a... Well, he's a backup. Like if he's not healthy, for example. It could go one of two ways here. He could be not healthy. And they're competitive. Or he can be healthy and everybody's screwed. And that's that's the way I, I, I feel about it. It's like... Worst case scenario, Cam Newton can't throw further than 15 yards or 20 yards. And the Patriots win 12 games. <laughs> so... I mean, right. and if he can throw further than 20 yards and he's, like, back to vintage Cam Newton, then, you know, it's just like, well, just sit this one out, you know. Let's just wait for him to leave again. It'll be Tom Brady over again. Just wait for to wait for this quarterback to leave the Patriots, and they'll suck.
2: Yeah, so. I mean, there's a lot of unknown, obviously, with Jared Stidham. You know, we had really only seen him play in the preseason so I, I get why you want to sign a guy like Cam Newton, bring in some competition. I think they might be one of the only teams in the league that truly will have a quarterback competition with Stidham, Cam Newton, and uh, Brian Hoyer, I
1: believe. So There is the no Patriots, like, way Jarrett Stidham wins that. I refuse to believe that. I a lot of people have come out and said that
2: Bill Belichick has been really... Uh, I guess excited about the idea and potential of Jarrett Stidham. You know, a lot of people were comparing him to uh, what they had in Jimmy G. But I don't know, man. I can't imagine, like, to me, this is signaling, like, okay, we wanted to see what we had in Jarrett Stidham, and now we're not really liking what we have seen, so we're going to sign Cam Newton. not liking what they've seen. Did Jarrett
1: Stidham email a video of him throwing? (laughs) And then Bill (laughs) Electric's like, hell no. Get me out of this.
2: I mean, maybe there's been something off in, in the Zoom meetings. Maybe the leadership hasn't been there, or maybe they're not liking how dedicated he's been. But I love that. Yeah, that's obviously speculation. I love that. To me,
1: Zoomgate. Belichick's having <laughs> practice before everybody else through Zoom. Belichick's looking at his webcam. He's like, "Throw that ball, Jarrett. Throw it." And then Jarrett throws it, and it's just like a duck. He's like, "That's it. That's yeah. it. That was your last chance." I'm getting cam. <laughs> obviously, total speculation, but on my part. Um,
2: just to me, I feel like if they really wanted to sign cam, they would have done it before the draft so that they could have loaded up on some weapons, you know, obviously they're not able to bring cam in for a workout and stuff like that, but it's just interesting. Their, their schedule, obviously they have a first place schedule and their division is getting better, but it's still not the toughest. So other than that, they play at Seattle, uh, at Kansas city, they host the 49ers. They play the Ravens. They play at the Texans. Obviously, they play at the Chargers in Week Thirteen. They play the Rams, and then they close out with the division game. So, from a Chargers perspective, I like that they do not have to play the Patriots until Week Thirteen. You know, I think if playing them early on would have been a lot more difficult because there's no one has any idea what kind of things they're going to be doing on offense with Cam Newton or Jared Stidham, you know, whoever ends up winning that job. But so, I I like the the fact that they are not playing them until Week Thirteen. Um.
1: Outside of that, any other thoughts about the Cam Newton talk? Um, not too much, man. I'm just really excited for Cam to get a, another opportunity. You know, it'd, it'd be a real freaking shame to have that kind of personality not on an NFL team. Uh, yeah. The NFL is a better place when Cam Newton is on the field, whether people hate him or whether people love him. I personally loved him. Everybody hated when he was doing that. That 2015 MVP season where he was dancing for 30 seconds in the end zone and everybody was getting so <laughs> upset, including yeah. the Atlanta Falcons, who almost picked a fight with him in the middle of a game. But right. like, I love that. I I loved it. I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed turning on like Sports Center or whatever and seeing Cam Newton dancing in the end zone or doing front flips into the end zone. It's like I, I it, the NFL is better. It's more fun. It's like a WWE match when Cam Newton is on the field. It's just. It's electric, and it's funny, and you're just like, what the hell is happening?
2: A WWE match, that's hilarious, I love that. So, you know, I, I understand completely why the Chargers did not sign Cam Newton, and the two of us have been, you know, so eagerly awaiting what Tyrod Taylor is going to be able to do with this team. But i if there was ever a guarantee that Cam Newton was fully healthy... Him in Los Angeles would have been a lot of fun. Yeah. Like you mentioned, this this swagger that he brings and the juice that he brings to a team. Again, you know, I totally understand why the Chargers didn't, but that would have been a lot of fun to watch and and see how that would have played out as well.
1: Yeah, it's just that's a big if. It is, and right. for a team in a transition to where they need to win, like the Patriots, they don't need to win. They've won for twenty years, right? So it's like. There's chilling, and they'll take the chance. The Chargers, they couldn't really take that chance of is he healthy or is he not? Because one, they're moving stadiums, and they need to make their statement in L.A. in the same same stadium as the Rams. Um, and two, they haven't won. The Chargers haven't won anything. They haven't been successful. Uh, they've been the opposite of the Patriots over the last twenty years. So, it's with the Chargers, it's you can't really take that risk. I mean, you can but you're putting your job on it, right? And yeah. I don't think Anthony Lynn was willing to put his job on betting whether or not Cam Newton would be fully healthy going into this year because you start Cam Newton and then you see him push a ball 25 yards and throw out his arm on the first throw. Well, now you're in trouble, right? And now you're going back to, to Tyrod Taylor, and I'm sure if they signed Cam prior to where everybody when everybody thought they were going to sign him uh, – I'd imagine they wouldn't have drafted Herbert. They probably would have pulled what the Patriots pulled and just kind of hung back and not drafted a quarterback and then went and signed Cam. If the Chargers did the same thing, well, then you would be leaning on Tyrod Taylor, and Tyrod Taylor would be in another situation where he's like, "Oh, another team didn't believe me again, and it would just be right. a, a cycle of bad. Yeah, that's
2: that's a really interesting debate: risk versus reward, right? And that's really what this offseason has been all about, because the Chargers are in this transition period, and and they've taken some big ish swings. You know, I'm not going to go out on a total limb. You know, trading Russell Coon for Trey Turner was probably yeah. their biggest gamble. You know, but for every other draft pick and every other free agency move was was relatively a safe decision. You know, Justin Herbert was a safe quarterback you know, can trading up for Kenneth Murray. That's a safe decision. Yep. Taking Joe Reed. That's a safe decision. Signing Brian bulaga That's a safe decision. So, you know, even though the chargers have gone for it, they really haven't like swung for the fences. It's, it's been more about like trying to hit doubles and consistently get on base. So it's an interesting, it's been a really interesting offseason and that has continued with the Desmond King rumors. You know, there was, Obviously, after they signed Chris Harris, everybody thought that they were putting him on the trade block. They didn't know what they were going to do with him. I personally want to see Desmond King stick around. You know, we saw last season how injuries can really just decimate a secondary, and so I think that the team can never have too much depth. That being said, the team does have some other holes, and, you know, there there is a possibility that Desmond King is not, all pro Desmond King, and so he just ends up going to another team after next season anyway. So, Jason, what did you make of Phil Yates' idea of trading Desmond King to the Vikings for Riley Reef, the left tackle? Uh, He's obviously a little bit older, but what did you make of that idea of trading Desmond King for a potentially starting left tackle?
1: Balls. (laughs) I mean, I would like the left tackle, but... I don't know, I I don't think, and I've seen this pop up a couple times. I think the Chargers believe in Trey Pipkins enough to the extent that they aren't going to go and sell some of their assets for a, right. a tackle. I just that's the way I feel about it. If they weren't willing to draft, say Ben Barch instead of Joshua Kelly, I don't see how they trade uh, right. a once premier defensive back for an older left tackle. So especially when a Older right tackle is already on the right side. You know, you don't want to just keep compounding this with age, age, age. Um, cause that's a dangerous game. Then you get into a, like a rotational offensive line. And we've talked about building a chemistry before. Um, and I just don't like the thought of trading Desmond King. I don't, you know, we, we talked earlier this week on Twitter about getting rid of Lambeau too soon and how that was a mistake. Um, yeah. And that wasn't even one bad year with Lambo. That was like four bad games. Um, it right. was not. It wasn't like Lambo sucked that entire year. It was like he had a couple bad games, and then he laughed because he missed a kick and lost the game for the Chargers. And fans were like, "Oh, what a bad word." And <laughs> <laughs> and so I I feel like it would be very premature because I feel like it would lead into a situation where it's just everybody's like, "Oh, what if." What if the Chargers kept Desmond King? And I don't know. I wouldn't be comfortable with it.
2: Yeah, you know, touching on the Trey Pipkins point first, I think if they had any kind of doubt that he could be a starting left tackle, they would have drafted a offensive lineman in this draft. So at any point in the season, you know, Prince Tega Winogo was there until the sixth round. right? And so if they wanted to give Trey Pipkins some more competition besides Storm Norton, you know they would have made that happen. The Desmond King stuff is interesting and I wrote an article about this. His value is low right now. Very. They're not going to get face value for a guy who has been an all-pro. They they just won't. So trading Riley Reef like right now that's probably as good as it would get in terms of value. Maybe they could squeeze a draft pick out of the Vikings in that kind of situation, but you know it makes too much sense to hold on to Desmond King. See if he can return to form, and you know he looks great. You know, I've been watching all of his workouts on Instagram and stuff like that, and he looks like he's in some. You know, everybody looks great right now, but Desmond King does look great. So it makes too much sense to hold on to him and see how he fits into camp, and and you never know. Again, if Chris Harris gets hurt, or if Nasir Adderley gets hurt, or Rayshawn Jenkins gets hurt, like you want to have depth behind those guys. And that's what they have right now in Desmond King because he can play free safety, he can play strong safety, he can play nickel. He could probably play outside corner if need be. So to me, you know, like you said, it makes way too much sense to hold on to Desmond King and, and see what they have in him in 2020.
1: Aren't Vikings fans always complaining about their own line anyway? Yeah, so <laughs> that was funny too. I, I'd rather not.
2: Yeah, that, the thing about trading for an offensive lineman right now is you know, let's say you trade for Riley Reef or you know the equivalent of Riley Reef from another franchise, and they still give Trey Pipkins the starting job. Then you traded Desmond King, a former All Pro, for a backup left tackle. So that kind of value just it doesn't it doesn't speak to me as they say.
1: Doesn't speak to me. Doesn't <laughs> it has no tugs or pulls on my heart. Right, <laughs> right. So.
2: That brings up an interesting point, Jason, because, you know, there's been so much talk about the secondary this offseason. You know, Chris Harris was on Good Morning Football America and, you know, expressed a lot of excitement. So how do you see the secondary panning out? You know, there's there is a logjam. And how do you see Desmond King fitting in right now?
1: Um, we've talked about it a few times how we think they'll take a positionless football approach, like a positionless backfield approach. I So I've seen a lot of pro Michael Davis lately. So that makes it a li- little more interesting. So you if I had my way. If I had my way, and I'll do kind of like a my way versus the Chargers way deal here. Yeah. My way would be play Chris Harris outside. Sure, he's not the elite all pro Chris Harris that you're accustomed to, but He is way more than serviceable outside. He is still a very, very good corner on the outside. Right. Like I said, it's not the elite Chris Harris, but it's still a very good Chris Harris.
2: He's at least better than Michael Davis.
1: Yes. And, (laughs) you know, keep Desmond King in the slot and then rotate Jenkins and Adderley between free safety and dime. That would be my way. Um, And obviously you have Casey Hayward and... Derwin James are solidified. They're 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 not going anywhere. It the way I think it shakes out and the chargers run it is I think Casey Hayward and Michael Davis are on the outside. And I think Derwin James, obviously free safety or strong safety. Sorry. Um, Rayshon Jenkins is going to have his free safety role. I mean, he's going to keep that. Um, Chris Harris. This is where it gets tricky is right when you think about Chris Harris and Desmond King, I think Chris Harris would swap between outside and nickel depending on the game plan and the receiver across. Yeah. And I think Davis would sub out at times, and King would kick to nickel, and Adderley would kick to dime. But that's very light. That would be a very it would require some micro form of like m- management as micro as Jim would say, um, yeah. where the team would have to really pay attention to who is on the field at what point um, who needs to come off the field, And it would just add another step to an already very complicated process of packages and personnel. And um, so it could be difficult there, but if you want to do it right. You're going to figure it out, and you're going to figure out how to rotate these DBs into a position where the man that they line across from, that they are going to find success against those guys. Um. So, for example, let's say they play the Denver Broncos, which, okay, they are because they're in the same division, but you get my point here. Um, <laughs> yes, go for it. <laughs> Say Jerry Judy is lined up against Desmond King. I would have a little bit of a problem with that, right? Jerry Judy has a like a very fast, like twitchy change of direction. I would feel more comfortable if Desmond King was on like a Deshaun Hamilton or on a um Cortland Sutton. Um, even though Cortland Sutton is a lot bigger than Desmond King, Desmond King is physical. He's a very physical player. I would feel comfortable there. I would not want Desmond King against Jerry Judy or K.J. Hamler. That's asking for trouble because that speed there is going to be a problem, especially with K.J. Hamler. So say K.J. Hamler is in the slot there. Well, you would want Chris Harris in the slot, right? You would want Chris Harris to play that nickel spot. Say Cortland Sutton is on the left side outside. I would win Desmond King against him and say you have whoever on the other, I don't know, another guy, Casey Edwards covering him. We get it. That guy's locked down. There's no, there's no completions to that side. It's irrelevant. Uh, So I'm just, what I'm trying to say here is whatever is happening and whatever rotational pieces are happening offensively, I would like to see the defense adjust more based on that personnel, which they've hinted that they would do. You know, you get, Right, More man coverage means more corners moving around the field. Casey Hayward would no longer be a left CB. Uh, Mike Davis would no longer be a right CB. It would just be they they follow their guys Uh, more traditionally is what would happen. And they kind of hinted that Chris Harris is going to shadow guys. So if Chris Harris is going to shadow guys, it's going to present opportunities for Desmond King to come onto the field into the nickel when Michael and then Michael Davis would probably come off the field. If Chris Harris has to shadow his guy outside, so like I said, it would be complicated. I haven't had trouble explaining it. It would be complicated, but you got to figure out a way to do that. Otherwise, you do get a log jam in the DB room, and that's not good because you want your best players on the field, and their best players are in that DB room right now. They got a lot of good players there. They have at least three. So you got Derwin James, Casey Hayward, and chris harris at the very least is who you have so you got to find ways to to complement these dbs and get them in a position where they are not going to struggle because you have the depth and you have the variety you have the diversity of dbs there to go up against different types of receivers Uh, take advantage of that
2: yeah you know i'll touch on the, the chris harris thing first he definitely had a down year last year but that is because the Broncos had him outside and he was shadowing number ones the, almost exclusively right. for the whole season. And so, you know, at age 31, uh, I'm okay with that idea if that's your best option. But the Chargers have never needed an elite corner opposite of Casey Hayward. Um, it would be nice. It would be great if, like, you know, Jason Verrett were still around and healthy. Like, that will be wonderful. Can we wonderful. not do this right now? sorry touchy subject or even trevor williams like that would be fantastic can we not do this steven
1: i'm sorry keep going
2: sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry all right anyways it would be great if michael davis would be better uh is what i'm ultimately saying but so they don't need a corner opposite of casey hayward who is elite so it, it makes sense to me like you said to put casey to put chris harris on the outside opposite of casey and have Desmond King in the slot. But they have they told Chris Harris flat out, like, hey, we want to get you in the slot. We want to get you back to your back to your roots, how he got started and how he became an all pro. So that'll be really interesting to watch because if they play him in the slot and Michael Davis is just getting torched because the AFC West is stacked at receiver now. Uh, where they just kind of abort the planet and put Harris on the outside and Desmond King back in the slot. That'll definitely be one of the st- bigger storylines of the season, in my opinion. Um, also, as you're saying that, you know, the Broncos are just there's their offensive talent is scary. And like you mentioned, you know, in that particular situation, you want your best players on the field. And so having Michael Davis out there is not uh, it's not a pleasant thought. Um, we excited really for like
1: Jerry Mike- Judy's change of direction versus Michael Davis's short coverage.
2: Oh, yeah, that's going to be wonderful.
1: Rack. K.J. Hamler and Jerry Judy are really good at the whole rack thing. Michael Davis is not very good at the whole tackling thing. That worries me.
2: Yeah, that worries me a lot because Casey Hayward, he's going to – he shut down Courtney Sutton in the two games except for the Hail Mary BS that happened. Um, But Casey Hayward is fantastic. Chris Hayward is fantastic. Desmond King has been fantastic. So that will definitely be interesting. Um you know, there's just a lot of talent back there in that secondary, and we drafted the all 22, and almost every single member of the secondary was drafted in uh, in our last episode. Which, if you haven't listened to that yet, please go listen to it. It was a lot of fun. We had a, a great time doing that.
1: Uh, spoiler alert: Michael Davis was the first pick.
2: <laughs> yeah, we were doing a uh, worst starter to best starter. So
1: wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh man, this show is What did you what did you think? We've gotten pessimistic over the last couple <laughs> um, That's because there's been no new news, man. There's None. This
2: you know, we, Jason and I, if you're listening to this to right now to this point, you know, we are so grateful that the Patriots signed Cam Newton because we were like really struggling to come up
1: with ideas to talk about today. <laughs> we're just talking about stuff right now. We're not even <laughs> Right <laughs> There's no more topics left. Our no note, our notes are empty. So Doug Farrar recently tweeted that Michael Davis is one of the best zone cornerbacks in the NFL, one of the most underrated zone cornerbacks in the NFL. Um, and the the evidence behind that was that, and our own Gavino Borquez that we've had on the show recently tweeted this, that Davis allowed 19 receptions on 34 targets for only 254 yards and no touchdowns, but two interceptions. I don't remember it being that good. And I don't think it was that good. I mean, I trust it, but I feel like, I don't know, man. There was a very big, like, it was tough to watch him, was it not?
2: I, well, first of all, he got hurt in the first game against the Colts. Right. And then he missed, like, a game or two after that. And then he was also suspended. For two games, right? Yeah. So the numbers, like... They maybe would have been a little higher. I think Michael Davis is solid from the snap of the football to when the football is released from the quarterback, if that makes sense. Like he, he stays in position. Well, it's just what happens after that. That really scares me because he's such a bad tackler. And if the ball, if it's a deep ball, he doesn't know how to get his head around. He doesn't know how to play the ball. His ball skills are not really there. Right. And, so athletically, he has all the physical tools. It's just the technique and just the little nuanced stuff of the position that scares me. Like Casey Hayward on the opposite side, I think Michael Davis is probably a better athlete, but Casey has mastered every single aspect of the, the mental aspect of the corner position. You know, he's a great tackler. He is really good in run support. He knows how to play the ball. He knows how to do all these things. Whereas Michael Davis, it's like he's fast and that's about it.
1: Right. I just remember watching the last few games and thinking to myself, holy crap, Brandon Faison is better than Michael Davis. (laughs) And if I even have to debate that, I don't know that he should be in the category as one of the best zone corners in the NFL. And maybe it's just because us as Chargers fans, we tend to value tackling in our corners. You know, coming off, there was one season where it was Casey Hayward, Trevor Williams, and... I believe Desmond King was there as well, uh, where it was just like, holy hell, our DBs are insane. Uh, These guys can tackle. And having to watch Michael Davis since then has been a little bit like, meh. Because I just feel like the Chargers, or us as fans, we really value that ability to tackle. There's something fun about watching your corner come up to the line of scrimmage and just lay these guys out. Um, And, Casey Hayward was pretty good at it a couple of years back. He's kind of toned back on it, but um, that, that year, that first year where it was Trevor Williams, Casey Hayward and Desmond King, it felt like the corners it was awesome. Were, yeah. And it was the corners were the best tacklers on the team. Everybody else sucked at it. So <laughs> I mean, Joey Bosa was hurt if I remember correctly, and there was no Derwin James yet. So it was yeah. just, it was just those three guys were tackling machines and they were so good at it. And so kind of, going down to Michael Davis where he's just like, there were certain points where he straight up avoided tackling. He would like jump out of the way. And you're just like, what in the world? I feel like going from to that point with Michael Davis, it was just kind of too much for Char- for us as Chargers fans. I know some Chargers fans really like Michael Davis. But for me, it made me mad because I know that every other corner on the team would have done it, would have made the tackle, and he didn't. And that's that's what bothered me when I watched Michael Davis
2: I think if the Chargers do play more man-to-man coverage, I think that could play to his strengths. But in the cover three scheme where Gus Bradley has come out and said like the the biggest and most important responsibility for the corners is to not let stuff get past them. They want to keep everything in front of them and then come up and make the tackle like you mentioned. To me, that means that tackling is the most important attribute of a Chargers corner with this current scheme of cover three. So the fact that arguably the worst tackler on the defensive side is a starting corner is scary to me. And, you know, we had this conversation several times, me, you and Tyler and the other bullbeat beat writers. And during the season, it's like, it was sad because we're like, where's Brandon face on? Why is he not on the field over Michael Davis? it was like, we were clamoring for another undrafted free agent. And not to say that those guys can't be effective players. You know, we've seen the chargers make really good players out of undrafted free agents, but, It would have just been really nice to see the Chargers invest in a legitimate starting option opposite of Casey Hebert. And maybe that's Chris Harris. I don't know. But it just another year of Michael Davis and Brandon Faison while the Raiders and the Chiefs and the Broncos have all beefed up their receiving core. It's it's scary. And it's, you know, I'm a little worried about how that pans out.
1: Yeah, I mean... It it is what it is. I feel like the Chargers tried to make a point to improve the defensive, like interior defensive game. Like the middle linebacker has been a major problem for a a minute now, ever since Donald Butler pulled that heist. Um, And ever since then, they've been looking for that guy. And Denzel Perryman, it looked like he was going to be, and then he just couldn't stay healthy. He couldn't. And. And then Jatavis Brown looked like that guy, and same problem, couldn't stay healthy. And so now it's between Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray. So I guess they opted to kind of go with the more pressing problems, such as like wide receiver three, linebacker, quarterback. And they thought, well, we have three good corners on the roster, and we could probably find some way to make it work. Uh, so yeah. if you think of it that way— I could see why they would opt to pass on a corner when you when you think of it like we got to find a way as a coaching staff to to get all three of these guys to perform on the in a football game. Then you can see why they would not go and find another outside corner like exclusively outside. Right. So I, I get it in that regu- regard but they also did pass on Bryce Hall and to Joshua Kelly instead. So And
2: Troy Pry, dude.
1: Ah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That was tough. I mean, I'm excited
1: about Joshua Kelly. But but do you guys understand why I've been so like down about the Joshua Kelly thing? Like, I hope everybody understands. I I hope you don't think I just hate Joshua Kelly because I've actually talked to Stephen about this before to where I'm I I see what they saw in Joshua Kelly. Like, I, I get it. I don't like the value. It just makes me mad. Like, when I look right. at all the players that were available there, and who knows, man. Maybe Joshua Kelly is one of the best running backs in the league, and Troy Pride and Bryce Hall both suck. Who knows? I don't know. They don't know yet. So, I yeah, should shut just, up about it. I, I will say, like,
2: it's, it's a good thing because really the only Chargers hole on their roster is outside corner two. You know, I'm okay with every other position. I'm at least okay with every other position. I should should, should clarify that left tackle. I'm okay with Trey Pipkins, man. I'm I not okay with the depth behind Trey Pipkins. That's true. You know that I, I think there could be better depth on the offensive line. I think there could be better depth at defensive tackle. But for the most part, in terms of the Chargers' starters, like really outside corner two is really like my biggest concern, and it's really my only concern. You know, I think. They have enough talent across the board that they'll be able to cover. They'll be able to cover Michael Davis up in certain situations, and obviously they'll play Chris Harris on the outside in some situations. Maybe Nasir Adderley plays outside in some situations. You know, there's a ton of possibilities in the secondary. So bringing this whole thing back full circle, Desmond King, I want to see him remain a Charger for the foreseeable future, and hopefully, you know, he can kind of boost up his value and. And, and you know, stick with his team long term because you know you can never have too many versatile defenders, and that's really what Desmond King is. And so I, I'm excited for the secondary, even with Michael Davis. There is a lot to be excited about, and first and foremost is Derwin James is healthy. And I don't know if people have been watching him on Instagram, but you know he is really getting after it. He looks like he's in fantastic shape. He really is coming after this season with a, a tenacity, and I'm excited
1: about Derwin being back and healthy. I should probably pay attention to Instagram.
2: (laughs) There's a lot of good stuff on there, man. Huh?
1: Well, you know, worst comes to worst. Just put Bobby Holly at corner.
0: There we go.
2: Bobby Holly is the end-all be-all in terms
1: of plugging a roster hole. He could probably play left tackle. (laughs) He probably could. (laughs) He's a great blocker. He probably could. Um, Other than the length, but, I mean, who cares? Yeah, Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for Bobby Holly.
2: I think Bobby Holly is going to be one of the stars of, of hard knocks. I think every single year there's a, an undrafted gonna, free agent. He's going to like pick up that, the sled or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> every single year they really
1: focus on an undrafted free agent. I think Bobby Holly is going to be that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've run out of topics because it's dry these days. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So if you're still listening to us, we do really appreciate you. Obviously the, uh, the NFL season is slowly approaching, but there is not much in terms of news lately. Hopefully slowly approaching. Yeah. You know, California, I don't know if you saw, but California has shut down bars, so. Oh, you know, no. Bars. The
1: world is over. I know. How <laughs> can we survive without the bars, Stephen?
2: No. I, I don't drink alcohol, so I'm good. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, so. If you're listening, thank you for your support. And if you're also listening, you need to wear a mask in public because we need to have sports. Um, <sighs> My life will be over if we don't have sports. I know. If there's no football this year, it's going to be What's weird. What's the point? What's the point of. Did you see the, that there were like 37 Clemson players who tested positive for the virus again?
1: What are they all doing? Like half this? their team has the virus right They're now. Coughing on each other? I guess so. Okay. I don't know. How did 37 of you. What? How? <laughs> they all went swimming at the same time, I'm assuming. I don't know. Something, man. That's crazy.
2: A lot of teams are doing a good job of taking precautions and things like that, but down there in the South, it almost just seems like they're like business as usual and not right. really caring about any kind of pandemic situation because LSU had a bunch
1: of players too. Even here in California, everybody, like... You, you'd think because it's easy to forget that Twitter is not a majority of the world. Yeah. Right. It's not that many people use Twitter when you compare it to like how many people are in California alone. Like there's, there's almost 40 million people living in California where there's, I think they've said there's like 11 million active users on Twitter. Maybe I think. Um, So when you think of it that way, it's like you can understand why the majority opinion on Twitter is so different than like when you walk outside Cause I'll tell you what, I walk outside in California and I see maybe like 10% of people wear masks, maybe in the central Valley. It's not as
2: bad as down in Southern California. I will say that, but still like, you know, when I go outside, I wear a mask because that is right now what the science is telling us is that wearing a mask is how we are going to get past this thing. And so I'm just trying to do my part. And that's what. Yeah, I've had this conversation with a bunch of people. You know, someone messaged me on Instagram. I tweeted this, but someone messaged me on Instagram and was like, "This whole thing's a hoax." And I'm like,
1: <laughs> "The science. There are facts that are telling us that we need to wear masks." You know, the people like like me. I'm one of these people where I'm like, you know, uh, I'd like to be religious just in case there is a God. <laughs> like, I don't want to piss him off if he's actually there. Right. So if there, I don't care if there's a virus or not, I don't care if it's a hoax or not, I'm <laughs> gonna a freaking mask, I'm going to yeah. take the chance of being alive. Right. The
2: symptoms and how drastic this virus gets, like, I don't want any part of this. So I am taking every single precaution. And so all these Karen's out in the world who are going to Trader <laughs> Joe's with no mask on and freaking out about it and just need to calm down and, and wear a mask. Do you think Karen
1: is married to like Chad?
2: You know it sucks Chads. because my favorite aunt is named Karen and she's amazing. And so I it kind of sucks it. how like the 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 worst white women name or the worst white women characteristics has been attached to the name Karen because my aunt Karen is an amazing woman. Oh, shout out to Karen. Yeah, shout out to Karen. Shout out but... to Aunt Karen. <laughs> Man, this this podcast has really gone off the rails. But hopefully, you have enjoyed our our rants about wearing masks because this has been this has been fun. Um,
1: Jason, any other thoughts before we wrap up and head out of here today? Um, no, I'm good. I'll probably be MIA from Twitter over the next uh, few days, guys. I'm gonna be taking a trip back to Texas. Um, so I'm gonna be on the open road, but wherever the world guides me to, Are you with the driving? wind at my side, yeah.
2: So what are your go-to road trip uh, necessities?
1: A phone. A phone. Music. <laughs> People to talk to. If you <laughs> So road trips, I'm not very good at road trips, man. So because I just I feel like I'm impatient. So if I'm just driving aimlessly, I'm fine. I could drive for hours. But if you give me like a point A to point B, I will lose my patience. I'll get bored. Because I'll just right. be waiting for point B to show up, and I don't know what it is, but driving just drives me insane. <laughs> driving just drives me insane. Hey, nice. There we go. Nice uh, we need to stop. <laughs> yeah. So if you're if you have listened to this point, thank you. Uh,
2: send Jason your road trip suggestion so he can get through this this week for him. Yeah. Um, we thank you guys so much for your support. Check out all of our Patreon stuff. You know, I put up a breakdown of Lidval Joseph. And we will continue to put content out there as best as we can. Hopefully, this podcast has provided some uh, relief for the craziness that's going on in the world. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, at GC Podcast 17 at Centauri13, and at Stephen I. Hagland. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Peace!
1: When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.